Welcome back to another episode of Granny Shot. I've got Don and Delco with me here as always. We'll be getting into over-unders as we did last episode. This is going to be part two. But Don, Delco, how are you guys feeling tonight? I'm doing great, Ryan. I'm ready to get this going. We got some good teams lined up to talk about the over-under. Uh, a little bit more exciting than last uh, podcast, in my opinion. But I'm ready to go. Let's do this. We have we have some shitty teams too, but yeah, I'm I'm ready. Yeah, there's a lot of shitty teams on this list. So uh, let me just go over exactly how this is going to work. If you didn't listen to our last episode, we're looking at the over under for every single team in the league. Uh, this is as of the Vegas over under odds as of December 5th. So it is post the Westbrook trade. We'll be working through it from a reverse alphabetical perspective from the city name. So, for example, today, because we we started in reverse alphabetical in last episode, today we're going to start in the east and we're going to start with the Orlando Magic. And we're going to get into the Knicks and the Bucks. And then in the west, we'll talk about the Sacramento Kings, the Portland Trailblazers. And if we have time, we'll jump into the Phoenix Suns. So let's jump right into it. We're going to start with the Magic today. The Magic is a team that we haven't talked about much in any of our previous offseason episodes because there hasn't been much to talk about. Right, the magic. I think the biggest thing that's happened to the magic since the bubble ended is that DJ Augustine is gone. Now they have other things of note in that Johnny Isaac got hurt in the bubble, one of the first games in the bubble there. He's one of their more promising young players. Uh, but the magic sneak into the eight seed last year and then really don't make any sort of moves this offseason. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where you guys think they land here. As far as what Vegas thinks, is Vegas thinks that they're going to hit a 31 and a half game over under there so 31 32 games which is equivalent to a 44 percent win percentage now last season they won 45 percent of their games so vegas is pretty much saying they're going to be the exact same team as they were last year based on their roster they kind of are the exact same team they were last year however many would argue that the east got a little bit better so where are your heads at with this do you think vegas got this right or are you thinking you know maybe they got this wrong one direction or the other i definitely think they uh got this Got this one wrong. I think they're going to fall way below taking the under. They had really, you know, from a point guard perspective, they have Fultz and he came came together last season pretty nicely after his failed stint in Philadelphia. Um, but they had DJ Augustine and Michael Carter-Williams who they they actually played well as a tandem um, as the backup point guards and they're pretty strong. But now, now that DJ has gone and obviously Johnny Isaac's out for the year, I don't see them performing as well as they did in 2020. I don't see that team coming together the way they did last season, especially when the bottom tier teams in the East got that much better, right? So like the Atlanta Hawks, especially, um, they're going to be formidable. The Wizards, the Hornets are even going to be a little bit more decent with Gordon Hayward and Lamelo Ball. So where the Orlando Magic are, I think they, they're more like a 39-40% win rate this year. Michael uh, Carter-Williams call out there. MCW yeah. sucks, man. The only person in the league that likes MCW is Steve Clifford. <laughs> Rookie of the year, MCW to you, Ryan. <laughs> what a day. Show some what a damn day. respect. He peaked in his first game. Um, I, I'm also going to take the under, but for a little bit of a different reason, I think. I, 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 when they're When they're on the court... As is, I think they're going to be solid, just like they were last year. They're definitely going to miss Johnny Isaac. I do think Fultz is going to make a bit of a leap here. He was the number one overall pick, and he does have a lot of talent. And he's in a low-pressure situation here where he's kind of coming together a little bit nicer. So I think he'll make a bit of a jump. But I'm taking the under mainly because, you know, besides the fact that he's got better, I don't think that we're looking at the final roster and, and how the Magic are going to end up at the end of the season. You mentioned they didn't really make any offseason moves beyond uh, 
a couple small pieces here and there. Shout out to Dwayne Bacon and, and, you know, drafting Cole Anthony. But I do think that they're going to be looking to move a few of these pieces who could contribute to contending teams. So I'm looking at players like Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, and uh, potentially even Terrence Ross to be moved before the trade deadline this year. And that's, that's the main reason I think that they're going to be under this year. I think, I think they have the potential just like a lot of these other teams to fight for, you know, that play in playoff spot, the nine or 10 seed. I don't think they're going to make the eight again this year. But I do think that we're going to see some of these players moved before the trade deadline. I'm going under as well. So we're all under. I, I don't have much to talk about the magic. They're as boring as it gets in terms of offseason moves go and as, you know, uninteresting as a team possibly gets right now. Uh, you know, I, I'd rather even talk about the Knicks because it's a dumpster fire and dumpster fires are fun to talk about. I, I do agree with you and your point, Markel Fultz. I think I'll have a good season. He came on strong towards the end of the season last year. Seems he's found a, a low pressure home in, in Orlando. So I'll be looking out there to see, you know, how his development continues to go. I'm interested to see how Cole Anthony develops as well, but just a totally uninteresting team to me. There might be some moves to your point with Vucevic and Aaron Gordon and folks like that, but I really don't see them making any sort of push for relevancy at all this season. So I'm going to go the under here as well. I think they end up winning probably closer to 26 games, 25, 26 games if they end up playing that whole season. So maybe 40% win percentage. And that's really it. So I, I know I just kind of shit on the magic there and in terms of how uninteresting they are, but they're in no man's land right now in my eyes. And that's the worst place to be as a basketball fan. Yeah, well, it's at least it's nice for the uh, the players. There's like no expectation. Just just send it next season. I mean, yeah, and if, if Johnny Isaac was healthy and, and playing, then maybe we're having a slightly different conversation here, but he's not. And his timetable to return this year looks in doubt, very in doubt. It, yeah, I agree. If he was back, he's the main difference maker for that team. They have some nice pieces, but they are getting older. And it's just such a stale, it's a stale market team right now. Nothing interesting. It's funny. You say they're getting older. And I was thinking, you know, uh, Aaron Gordon, he's been on that team forever. You know, what can we get from him? Because I think he's kind of not exceeded expectations there, but he's only 25. Even Fournier is 28. Vucevic is the veteran on the roster. He's 30. This isn't an old team. So, you know, I I think they might be a little boring. They might be stuck in that dreaded uh, 8 to 10 range, but there's definitely some nice pieces. And when you're when it comes down to actually watching the basketball games, I think it'll be entertaining basketball. So let's, let's not shit on them too much. Yeah, I don't agree. I have no interest in watching yeah. Magic games this season. I'd rather watch baseball. Yeah, I, there's there's <laughs> there's probably there's probably let's 20, not get crazy here, Don. <laughs> there's probably 26 teams in the NBA that I'll I'll have on League Pass ahead of them. One of those teams, maybe to the next team that we're going to move to. Speaking of dumpster fires, is the New York Knicks. So over under for the New York Knicks now, right? Is that we've got Vegas telling us that they're going to win 22 and a half games. So 22 or 23 games there, about a 31% win percentage on a 72-game season. That's about exactly where they were in 2020. They won 32% of their games. So again, same type of situation as with the Magic, where Vegas is basically saying they think they're going to have the same type of year they had last year. Why? Maybe it's because the Knicks didn't really do much, right? They they did add Austin Rivers. They did add Alec Burks. They did add Nerlens Noel. Alec Burks and Austin Rivers are, are scorers wherever they go. I wouldn't necessarily call them winning players in terms of winning styles of basketball, uh, but maybe that gives them a couple more wins. I'm not sure. And then they also add Obi Toppin, right? You guys know how I feel about him. I don't think he's going to tip the needle at all. 
So in terms of where you guys are with the Knicks, do you foresee them making any sort of strides this season? Uh, hell, hell no. <laughs> I don't see them making any any sort of relevant uh, stride. This is the Knicks, and I think we can expect them to continue to be the Knicks this year. The East got better. They didn't get any better at all. I guess you could argue that R.J. Barrett could potentially take a major step this year. I'm not a huge fan of his. I know he's really young and he has shown some playmaking playmaking ability, but I don't have high expectations for him or really anyone else on this roster. I'll be curious to see where Obi Toppins, um, how he contributes to the culture. I'm with you, Ryan. I don't really see him being a huge piece uh, moving forward, but I do think he can contribute as a rookie right away and make them a little bit better. But it's just such a disjointed team. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure what they're trying to do. It does seem like they're trying to be as bad as possible and uh, and go for, for Cade potentially next year with the number one overall pick. So I'm going to take the under. I think they're going to be they're going to be hoping they get the under, too. Yeah. Oh, this one this one has me questioning a little bit. I know they're going to be so bad, but something about the pieces that they did add and the potential to realign that team. Obi can score, Burks can score, Rivers can score. They're not going to be good. It's just I think they're way more intriguing than the Magic to watch in regards to especially with Barrett, can he like produce a full season? That's that's relevant. I'm probably going to go slightly under. But I think it's going to be a fun team to watch just in regards to are they going to be absolutely god-awful or do they actually have a chance the following season and in the future to develop with some of these players? I like Alec Burks a lot. He's never he's never found a good positioning on a team, but he has highlights and flashes where he can score. It's just consistency with him. And then I'm not as big on Austin Rivers, but uh, Nerlens Noel is what he is. Good defense, good value player. And then Mitchell Robinson, like that team... It's just it is a clusterfuck of sorts. So I'm I'm gonna take a slightly under. Define more intriguing than the magic. I mean, in in terms of like dumpster fires are fun to watch. Yeah, because I don't know what to expect. So wait, they're they're fun to like theorize over and think about like what could happen. But in terms of actually watching a basketball game, would you rather watch the Knicks play than the Magic and watch like Julius Randle barrel into the paint with his eyes down and? rj barrett missed free throws and some of these at least with rj barrett he's 20 years old right you know he's he's in it's fun to watch his development i feel like you don't even have that on full to magic unless you're still have faith in Fultz, right yeah i have the similar amount of faith in Fultz as i do rj barrett honestly i just know exactly what to expect of the magic and i have it's been the i've known what to expect for the past eight, eight years it's just like the same team the same production the Knicks, have, I mean, the Knicks have been garbage, but at least like, again, like there's some uncertainty there. Yeah. Yeah. They could win five games. They could win seven. It's, there's different, yeah. there's different types but of you, garbage. <laughs> right. So exciting. You've got Mitch Robinson. They're, they're, they've got a, they've got a plethora of young players on there. Many of them who I don't think are going to be great, but it's still fun to watch that happen and see what direction they're going to go with, with the magic. It's like, they are who they are and they're super average. To me, that's boring. I'd rather watch a team that's up and coming potentially, or maybe they crash and fail and they have to start over again. Agreed. So if you're so, pre- pretend you're Dolan and pretend you actually care about basketball, uh, unlike Dolan, what would you do with Mitch Robinson? Because I think a lot of people around the league recognize his potential to be a Gobert type player, and he's definitely an asset. Would you just hold on to him and see if you can't? 
build around his defensive capabilities and see if the fit can work between RJ and, and him? Or would you try to move him for some future assets and say, man, we really have a dumpster fire. Might as well see what we can get for a proven asset in Mitchell and maybe get a franchise changing player. I don't know. I, I don't, I actually don't put Mitchell Robinson anywhere near Gobert right now. I think Mitchell Robinson has a lot to prove still. Oh, he's for re- sure. For sure. But I think he's, he's really young. He's got the size and I think he's shown that it, I don't think anyone would be shocked if he grew into a Gobert at some point in his career. He's, tw- he's 22 years old. So I, I think a lot of people around the league kind of expect him to grow into it. Not think he is that right now. Yeah. Okay. I probably would. I'd probably, I mean, his stock is pretty high. I, I think it's fallen after last season, to be honest with you. I know he's super young, but he's probably a player I'd try to sell stock high on and uh, get a value, whether it's a draft pick or another player or like a group of assets down the road. That's just what I would do. I, I, I like Mitch Robinson. I think he has potential, but I don't know. I don't think that team's going to be aligned where he can shine for a while. Like, the, the, right, the Knicks are like five, seven years out of any serious contention. I say keep him. Why not? He's getting paid nothing. He's 22 years old and he's got potential. The Knicks have a brand new coach. Tom Thibodeau comes in. Thibodeau has had some good history of developing young talent. I think Thibodeau ends up potentially winning them uh, a couple extra games on what they won last year. You know, James Dolan is, is an idiot to your point, but James Dolan isn't pulling the strings. He's the owner. He's not the GM or the coach. So I think the Knicks might be doing the right thing for once and just committing to developing and trying to develop young talent instead of trying to make home run swings for players that aren't as good as what they seem. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued by the Knicks. I think the Knicks are going to go. I'm going over here, just to be clear. I think the Knicks end up winning more games than what Vegas has, but not by a lot. I think they'll end up winning... 24, 25 games, uh, maybe in the ballpark at 33, 34% of their games. Do you think because of the coaching adjustments? Because I feel like Thibodeau is a, I feel like he's more known for playing the older veterans than he is for developing younger talent. So I'm, I'm curious. I agree, but he also, he also coached Derek Rose when Derek Rose was very young and he was an MVP and he coached Jimmy Butler <laughs> when Jimmy Butler was very young yeah, well. and drafted him <laughs> yeah. at a young age. I'm not seeing anything like that on this roster, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw Jimmy Butler at that point in their career Kate either. Derek so. Rose was his example. Maybe he'll uncover the diamond in the rough and <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Knox or some shit. <laughs> I mean, you're saying that he doesn't, he hasn't coached young players and that's just flat out untrue. Derrick Rose was an MVP for him and he was very young. He might have even been the youngest MVP ever. Yeah, Someone fact-checked me there, but I'm pretty sure that's true. So he has a history of coaching young players and coaching them well. All right, we'll see We'll see what he does with this turd. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, it's, it's, it's not like I'm saying he's going to take them to the number one seed in the East like he did the Bulls. I'm saying he's going to win three more games than what Vegas thinks they're going to win. Right, yeah. Write it down. Ryan thinks the Knicks are going to win the finals this year. Fuck it. All right, we've talked about the Knicks for way longer than we should have. So let's continue on to a team, the total opposite end of the spectrum of the Knicks, the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks. We've got a team that's been the number one seed in the East for the last two seasons at least. Someone check my memory there. It might even be more than that. They know that Giannis's contract is coming to an end soon. They know that he's going to be up for a Supermax soon, and they've got to do everything they can to keep him around. And what do they do? They make the Drew Holiday trade. They send Bledsoe and George Hill packing. They bring in Drew Holiday. 
I can't talk about this without also adding that they did send three first round picks to the Pels, but that's not the point of this conversation in terms of the over under. Um, they also make a couple other signings, Bryn Forbes, DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis, try to bolster up their bench there. I think in the playoffs this past season, one thing that was pretty obvious and apparent to me was they didn't really have a good secondary playmaker uh, aside from Giannis and, and looks like that's what they're trying to address here. Uh, the Bucks over under, according to Vegas, is 49 wins. That equates to a 68% win percentage. Last year, they won 77% of their games. So Vegas is either making a clear statement that they think the Bucks got worse, or they're making a clear statement that they think the East is much stronger. So where do you guys think the Bucks are landing? And Don, we know you have a huge Bucks love affair, so we're excited to hear this one. Oh, Even though you cheated on them with the Heat all no. year. No, 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 no. This is this is a big miscalculation by them. That's it's a big beat. Definitely taking the over for the Bucks. I, I think the expectation for them to lose what is it twenty three games in a seventy two game season? That's ridiculous. They got way better with the Drew Holiday signing. They now have another superstar on that team. Um, Chris Middleton is still there. People keep forgetting about him. Yes, he's hit or miss. Yes, he's a questionable. Super, I mean, he's an he's an all star, right? He's never really made that leap to be a superstar, but Don throws out the word superstar very fluidly. Yeah. You like wait, Drew Holiday's not a superstar? I'd call him a, a defensive no. star. How many superstars are in the league, Don? 94. I mean, <laughs> Giannis, Giannis, and uh, Giannis. There's a lot. So one. There are a lot of really great, there are a lot of great players, Ryan. I think, fine, here you go. Drew Holiday is a borderline superstar. Eh. Well, I, I won't even accept that, but you can keep well, going. You just go back to your Knicks boner over there. Drew um, Holiday is a borderline all-star. No. Yes. Okay. Drew Holiday is way better than anything they had, and he's he's borderline all-star. No, he's not. He's, he's a defined all-star. He's going to transform that team, and he is the thing that pushes the needle to the, for them to win a championship. Drew Holiday, if he can stay healthy, which has been a, a problem of, of sorts, maybe he was just hampering some injuries because he was on a New Orleans team that was going nowhere. But he makes that team so much better and he gives right it gives the Bucks a second score and someone to give the ball to to make the big shot. That's what LeBron was missing in Cleveland when he when he got Kyrie, right? They're very in my opinion, that's a very similar addition to that team. And they added that I like the ads that they had. You guys know I like Torrey Craig and what he does on defense. I think they needed to add some defense uh, capabilities to that team. Bryn Forbes is solid. I like a lot what they did. I think I think they got better from a depth perspective, and then they also, from an overall talent perspective, like best five on the floor, they got way better. I think again, I think Drew Holiday is tremendously better than Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe had a good season. I think George Hill is George Hill is a kind of a big loss. I mean, he led the league in three percentage. I thought his veteran leadership and his shooting was was really solid last season. I'd say that's the biggest loss for the team, but overall, just the Drew Holiday signing makes them leaps and bounds much better. So I'm taking the over and I'm taking the over uh, by a good bit. Like, I, I don't think they lose more than 16 games this season. Wow. They, they did add DJ Augustine, which will hopefully uh, ease the bleeding from the George Hill loss. But I, I pretty much disagree with everything that Don just said, but I, I'll, I'll still take the over. Although I do think they're going to be worse than last year. I just think that they're they're still going to be slightly over where Vegas has them, and I still see them fighting for the number one overall seed in the East. I mean, uh, they do have superstar Bobby Portis on, on their <laughs> roster. Uh, sorry, Don. 
No, I, I think uh, they got a little bit better with Drew Holiday. Their defense is going to be brutal. Uh, they're going to be really hard to score against if they can stay focused. Giannis can always make a step. Who knows? I, th- I think his three could con- continue to get uh, a little bit better. And all you need is for that three to get a little bit better for him to become truly unguardable. So I think I think they'll be. Uh, I don't know if I if I said I thought they'll they'll be better. Their their starting five might have gotten a little bit better, but I don't think they'll win as many games as they did last year. But I still think they'll be a, a one or two seed in the in the East. I mean, Giannis is kind of like the Shaquille O'Neal who, of the modern NBA who can handle the ball a little bit. So until people figure out how to guard him, they're going to win a lot of games. So slide over for me. I want to go. I was going to go over before you guys talk, but I think I'm going to go just below by one game. I'm going to say one game. That's ridiculous. Uh, so I think that they win 48 games instead of the 49. I think they'll end up winning around 67% of their games, 66, 67% of their games. I think they're going to, they might have some chemistry issues to work through the first uh, couple games, maybe the first quarter of a season. Uh, that's one thing I think. I, I don't think they got that much better. Be completely honest. I, I do think that Drew Holiday is much better than Eric Bledsoe. You guys uh, have heard me in the past talk about how Eric Bledsoe was never good enough. I've been saying that for years. He was never, ever going to be good enough for the Bucks. Drew Holiday is definitely an upgrade there. The one-time all-star, superstar Drew Holiday. So, Two-time all-defense, baby. Yeah, I guess that's that's all it takes. To He's get a defensive to, to star. Status. He's a defensive star. So... I, I don't think that they've gotten that much better. I do think they'll finish first or second in the East, but come playoff time, I don't think they've done anything to tip the needle to get them out of the East. Regardless, right, that's not the point of this conversation. I'm going under, and I'm going under very, very, very slightly. Are you just doing that to be devil's advocate, Ryan? Well, I was on the border with them originally, and now I'm going devil's advocate, yes, because of the uh, superstar Drew Holiday comment that made me <laughs> salty. When he's an all-star this year, we'll play this back. Okay. Let's when they win it. a championship, I'll come to your house in New York. and If he wins finals MVP, I will eat my shoe and tell you that he was a super live, you, live on the podcast. Eat your shit. How about that? <laughs> uh, I'll do it. So, wait, dude. So, <laughs> do, do we? <laughs> You're going to eat your shit <laughs> live on the podcast if Drew Holiday? Live. Okay. Live. Good God. <laughs> Stone. <laughs> Well, go Bucks. Um, so, but beyond regular season, do we think that they have an actual shot to yes, to win the yes. finals this year? Their best five on the floor is so much better. That's what matters. It's your t- it's your best five. But yeah, but did they get do they get better offensively? Yes, Drew Holiday is good. He's very very good on offense. I don't they know, have- man. When when you're going up against the Heat and the Celtics and maybe the Nets, you know, and Drew a- Holiday can expose. A lot of those teams that have weak point guard defense. Yeah, potentially, but the the Bucks got exposed pretty hard last year. They breezed through the regular season, and when it came down to games they actually had to win, they got they got exposed. So we'll we'll see. I don't want to get too sidetracked in playoff talk, but yeah, no. But I just think that's because their top line wasn't good. Like Giannis has struggled in the playoffs. That's without without a doubt. He just needed that extra hand, and I really do think it's similar to where LeBron was in Cleveland when he got Kyrie. It's just that extra player that can make the the bucket when needed. It's it's a lot less pressure off his back, and I think he he's great on defense. He's great at shooting. He's a good player. Like Bledsoe was not was not it. I think that Bledsoe was like one of the biggest. Man, but you you cannot misses. compare Kyrie Irving, who is actually a superstar, 
Please, especially like, like the eleven games he's played the past two seasons. Especially on the offensive end, he's an offensive superstar. He's one of the best offensive players, not just point guards in the game. He's played what one full season to, to Drew Holiday. I mean, Kyrie, how, I mean, how many seasons has Kyrie played? One. It doesn't matter, man. It like, doesn't. Kyrie played. Well, Kyrie played all those games when he. The point you're bringing up with the Cavaliers, Kyrie played all those games with, and he with was the second best a with superstar. the second. With the second greatest player of all time in the NBA, he played with LeBron. What has he done? What did he do for the Celtics? What did he do after Cleveland? What did he do before he had LeBron? Nothing. He's still an offensive superstar. I'm so happy this is going to be recorded. <laughs> I don't think Kyrie, look, I, look, dude, Kyrie I, is. You don't think Kyrie is an offensive superstar? It's hard to say. I mean, he is very, very, very good on offense. But, like, I just, dude, we've seen him play for what, one season his entire career with, like, full capacity? Oh. No, we've seen multiple seasons of Kyrie. Okay, and what happened? What Anyways, happened? What was the product? I don't know why we're talking about Kyrie. This is a conversation about Drew Holiday, right? And Drew Holiday, regardless of what you feel about Kyrie Irving, right? Drew Holiday is unproven in the playoffs. Completely unproven in the playoffs. Agreed, yeah. I, I can't even think of the last time you made the playoffs off the top of my head. And if you, it might have been recent, but if it was recent, he didn't do anything to spark my memory. Wait, Drew Holiday's so, got a lot to prove. So that one season, that one season that Kyrie Irving played, he somehow got six All Star appearances, two time All NBA. I, I just, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Drew Holiday is a two time All NBA. All right, I don't think we'll see. I don't think they're we'll that. See what much. happens with Drew Holiday? I don't think they got that much better. I, I think that they end up not making it out of the East again. I think they end up in the first or second seed again. But I think that a lot of their same issues are going to be uh, perhaps exposed in the playoffs and. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe Drew Holiday steps up and turns into the superstar that Don seems to already know that he is. And then we watch Ryan eat his own shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. So win-win. So let's uh, continue on to the Western Conference, the more interesting conference. And we're going to start with the Sacramento Kings. So maybe the least interesting team in an interesting conference is the Sacramento Kings this season. We've talked about the Kings already a little bit. One of our former podcasts. I actually let's try to keep this brief because the Kings are uh, you know, if there's any Kings fans listening, I'm sorry, but your team's boring. <laughs> so w- one of the biggest things from the Kings is they lost Bogey. Bogey goes to the Hawks, another team that we've talked about a lot. They end up signing Whiteside. They end up signing Frank the Tank and, you know, not much exciting news on that's, the Kings front. That's Al- superstar, <laughs> superstar Frank the Tank to you. Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> But they they end up adding uh, Halliburton as well uh, in the draft. A lot of people like that draft pick, but guys, Kings... Vegas has them at 27 and a half wins, 38% win percentage. Last year, they they won 43% of their games. So Vegas saying they're going to win 5% less this year. They're saying that they get worse. At the very least, that the West gets significantly better. I'm just glad to hear Don finally correctly use Superstar with Frank Kaminsky. That's, that's a fair uh, assessment of Frank, I think. Uh, the the Kings are are going to be interesting to watch, I think. I don't, I don't think they're as bad as people think they are necessarily. I think they're just as good as they were last year. I have higher expectations for Marvin Bagley than I do for some of these other players. I think he can make a big leap this year. They're not going to be very good. They're not going to be competing for the playoffs. But with Bagley and Fox and Bialinka and Holmes and the addition of Whiteside and superstar Frank Kaminsky, they can be better than some of the other teams near the bottom. They can be better than Timberwolves still, I think. So... I'm, I'm seesawing a little bit, but I'm going to take a slight over with the Kings. Uh, I think people are writing them off a little bit too early in terms of, you know, a bottom feeder along with the Cavs and Knicks and Thunder. But I think, 
you know, I, I think they're one of those bottom half West teams that'll win some games. So I'll take the over. Taking the under on this one. I think they move a lot of pieces this season. I think Buddy Hield is still very unhappy in Sacramento. I think he gets moved. Belita, I think he also gets moved. He's only getting older. He's a talented player that some top team's going to want on to produce for them in the playoffs. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta imagine they they package healed with someone. It could be Holmes as well that goes. So I don't think this team stays together. It's a shortened season. I like I like the white side ad, as you guys know. Again, we talked about this before, where I think De'Aaron Fox needs to just completely take over, be the face of the franchise. And I like the Halliburton addition that they have. Like, let's just restart that team with, with players like that who are a little bit more positive energy, like good character guys. Yeah, so I'm taking the under because I think they moved some pieces this season. I really like De'Aaron Fox a lot. I like his character. I like the way that he plays. I like his motor. I want to pick the over here. I really do because I do kind of see them better than I think maybe people think that they're going to be just because they lose Bogdanovich, which quite frankly, I don't think is nearly as bad of a loss for the Kings that the general sentiment seems to think it is. Yeah, I, um, I agree with that. I think he's a good player, but he doesn't necessarily take away that much from this Kings. No, I don't think so either. And I, I think that they see a lot of secondary playmaking in Halliburton right away that that might be able to fill some of the stuff that, that Bogey did in that secondary type role from a playmaking perspective. Anyways, like I said, I want to pick the over here. But when you look at the Western Conference, the only team that I can say that the Kings are better than with absolute certainty is the Thunder. Every other team, I'm like, eh, I'm not sure that the Kings are better than them. All right, you've got Delka. You mentioned the T-Wolves, which we'll end up getting them eventually, but they've added some new pieces. A lot of people think that T-Wolves are going to be good. I'm not one of them, but you know that you could certainly make the argument that they're going to be better than the Kings. You've got the Spurs, you've got the Pelicans, and then you've got a lot of teams that made the playoffs last year or on paper just look better. So I feel like I have to take the under, even though I don't want to, just because of that. So I'm going to take the under. I'm pretty confident that that it'll end up under. But I do just want to make the statement that I think if they were in the Eastern Conference, they would be pushing for that play-in game, that 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. I don't think they're as good as the Magic, but I I do think I'm saying over because I think they can pass the Spurs. I don't I really don't believe in the Timberwolves at all. I don't I don't know who's going to play defense really on that team. And I'm not a believer in Anthony Edwards, especially on day one. I think he's got a lot of development to do and it's going to be a really weird fit there. So I could see the Kings finishing above the Spurs and the Timberwolves in addition to the Thunder. I don't think they're going to be that great, but they're not going to be a bottom feeder in my opinion. We'll see though. I wouldn't be totally shocked if they ended up (laughs) second to last, but I just, I'm taking the over for if I'm betting today. Okay. So Kings, let's, let's recap that. I I said under Delco, you said under Don, you said, I I said over and you two said under. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, so try, me try and, and Don say, say under, Delco says over. Any, anything else about the Kings or can we move on? We move on. There's another team that we've talked too much we about, We spent I think. about seven minutes too long on the Kings. <laughs> yeah, agreed. All right, so let's get into a, a team that's much more interesting. Uh, the Portland Trail Blazers. Now, the Blazers, one of the bubble sweethearts in that they come into the bubble. We're having to have a, a great eight game regular season in the bubble just to sneak into the playoffs. Uh, they were able to get Nurkic back. Seems like Melo's found a home there where he can have a, a nice little role without being um, a, a detriment or, or cancer to the team. They end up getting Bob Covington via trade. A lot of people love that. Rodney Hood comes back from injury. And in addition, they add Derek Jones Jr., Harry Giles, 
Uh, we'll see what other sort of small signings they may sign here and there. They end up getting that eight seed last year via the play-in game. They kind of seem to always live in that bottom half of the Eastern playoffs range ever since Dame's been uh, the superstar that he is. Where do you guys think that they land this year? Do the moves that they've made this offseason tip the needle at all? I guarantee you they don't finish anywhere in the Eastern playoffs. <laughs> Did I say Eastern? Yeah. Bottom half of the Western playoffs. I apologize. What? I think everybody knew what I was trying to say there. But yeah, just to be clear on what the Vegas over-under odds are, there's 40 and a half games, 56% win percentage, which is 9% higher than what they won last year, 47%. Blazers will be a top four seed this year. Taking the over, strong strong over. I think it's a big another big miss by them. I'm taking them probably about 46 plus wins. I like uh, I like what they did with Bob Covington. I like the pieces they added. Derek Jones Jr. is going to be a nice piece for them to come off the bench. Big, big addition back is Nurkic. He is a fantastic player. Whiteside clearly played his role on defense last year and was a nice addition, but Nurkic is such a more complete and well-balanced player. Bringing Melo back, I think Melo is going to come back on strong this season. I just like that team a lot. I think this is actually their season. In a shortened season, they have a lot of veterans who are going to not need that much training and, and you know time to mold together. So I'm taking them. They're going to be a four, like either the third or fourth seed this year. Well over. That's a hot take, Don, but I'm actually going to agree with you. I think the Blazers are a three or four seed this year. The Blazers are always, they always have that underdog attitude. They've shown that they have the potential to be in those top three or four seeds. They did it a few years ago. They have players who stepped up last year, like Gary Trent Jr. I really like Harry Giles. Nurkic is was a force for them in the bubble and I think with the full not a full training camp but a an offseason under his belt to get reacquainted with the team uh, he's going to have a huge impact on the toughness of this team and then the addition of Covington guarding the other team's wing players is going to be massive for them as well and his his ability to stretch the floor too so I, I think that they're going to look a lot better this year than they did last year and I'm not sure what they're going to do in the playoffs, but in the regular season, I I think they're going to ball and they're going to be tough to beat on a night-to-night basis. So I, I actually agree with you, Don. Three or four seed from the Blazers. Let's go. Hard over. Let's go. I'd, I'd say, I am before gonna... I pass it, I'd say my two strongest overs in terms of how much uh, they'll beat Vegas expectations are the Wizards and the Blazers. Okay, I'm disagreeing with both of you, and I'm very confident about it. So I, I don't think that the Blazers are anywhere close to as good as what you think. Um, I think that they are just perennial, the kind of sweethearts of the NBA. They're they're better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season because Dame is a cold-blooded killer. And I respect his game. I respect everything about the way that he goes about his business. Uh, they can beat anybody on any given night. Dame can go off for 60 or 70 on any given night. They still do not have a defensive identity. You cannot just go and grab a random defender and say all of a sudden that you have a defensive identity. Nurkic, Lillard, McCollum, and Carmelo Anthony are still going to be on the floor with Robert Covington at the end of the game. And I still do not think that the Blazers are any better than they were in the last couple of seasons. I think that they'll end up in like a 38 and 34 type season if they end up uh, playing the full 72 games, which will be around 52 to 54% as opposed to the 56% that Vegas has them at right now. Did you just question Nurkic defense? I did. Yeah. Unfounded. (laughs) Completely unfounded. He's got deficiencies for sure, but he's... He's tough as nails, and he he also he's does that. He's a have, solid defender. He's fine. I'm not sure if I'd want. He's no Cody Zeller, Ryan. If he's the second best defender out of your starting five, then you're not a contending team. 
Do you not think Dame's a good defender? No, I don't. I don't think Dame or McCollum or Melo are good defenders at all. I, I respect Dame because he does what he can with his height and and his quickness and, and his ability, and he, he plays hard. But there's only so much you can do when you know you, you have those physical limitations. It's the same way with Steph. Like I think Steph positionally is, is actually a good defender. He's always in the right places, but he's just small, and you just can't guard at that level, right? And I don't think that the Blazers have the other guys around him to hide that the way that, you know, say maybe a Warriors team did. Huh. Bold take. I think Nurkic is, a, is actually an above average defender. I think Lillard for what he is, is a, a good defender. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's a bad defender. You have not, you have nothing to prove your stance on that. Just that he's small. The Blazers deficiency has always been their defense. They've never had a problem scoring. Agreed. And Lillard and McCollum have been on their team for eight to 10 years now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let me ask you this question. Do you think they could have pushed the needle further with Covington and Whiteside than Covington and Nurkic? No, because I also don't think Whiteside's that great of a defender either. Nurkic is just because much you're blocking shots. Whiteside is a defender. Just blocking shots doesn't make you a good defender, especially in this NBA. Well, that was my point. That was my I, point because Nurkic is ten times more flexible. Yeah, I, I, I don't see Nurkic as a as a very strong defender. I think again, I think they're going to have issues guarding the ball. I think they'll end up being very good. I think they're going to end up being very similar to where they've finished on average in the last five to six years, which was probably somewhere in the five to seven range and winning somewhere around 55% of their games. Do you want to make a, a shit I, bet on this one too? No, thanks. <laughs> I will only eat one shit in a year. That's that's different than normal. The, but. the, man, the man has standards. <laughs> I'm not, one I'm not pile crazy. of shit per year, like a yeah. gentleman. <laughs> yes. We'll see what happens. I, I don't respect your opinion, but it is what it is. Never have, never will. You don't have to respect it, but it'll be proven right, and then you'll have to at least acknowledge it. So I'll, I'll take that as a minor little victory in a year from now when we go back through this. Let's get back on track here and move to our final team, the Phoenix Suns. Let's make this quick because we had a, almost an entire episode dedicated to the Suns. Uh, CP3, Jay Crowder. They lose Baines, Ubre, Rubio. Uh, they've got a nice little young 3&D squad. Uh, superstar Frank Kaminsky, he's gone. Uh, so the Suns, what Vegas has them at is 38 wins. That's a 53% win percentage, which is 6% better than last season where they finished at a 47% win percentage. I'll go first here. I'm going to say that the Suns will be below that. I'm going under. I think the Suns end up right around 500. I think CP3 will make a difference, but not a huge difference. I think that they'll be fighting for the eight seed around the eight seed, which will land them around 500, like I said. But I just don't think that they have the pieces to put them above all these other teams in the West. I'll, I'll make it quick. I'll say over, but they still miss the playoffs. I'm going to go over as well. I think they're going to be a, a tough team to beat night in, night out. Eight, I think Aiton's going to have a really nice season. Booker is probably going to produce again, just like he did last season. CB3 might make that dis, uh, difference, but I like uh, Ubre is a big loss for them. Jay Crowder, really nice addition. I'm taking the over just because I think they, again, I think on a night to night basis, they're going to be really tough to beat. I think a lot of this, as we know, will have to do with CB3 and his health, right? If CB3 can't stay healthy, it's, it's, it's game over for the Phoenix Suns. That's my take. It's over. So so you're both going over, although Delco says over, but they don't make the playoffs. So you think that they're going to win around 55% of their games and not make the playoffs? Yeah, I think actually, no, seriously, as as it stands right now, the, the way Vegas has them is a ninth place finish. 
And so I, I think that's about where they're going to finish, but they'll win one game more than that, slightly over that. Okay, that, that'll that be very interesting, right? If a team goes 40 and 34 and misses the playoffs. Uh, so that's a pretty hot take, I think. I think the Blazers made the playoffs last year at 35 and 39 in the West. So that's a, that's a bold take. I, I think that they do make the playoffs, but I'm taking the under. I think that they end up right around 500 and they sneak in as the eight seed or they get in somehow via a play in game, whether they finish in eighth or ninth in the in the standings there. So any final takes from any of the teams that we talked about? Again, we talked about the Magic, the Knicks, the Bucks, the Kings, the Blazers and the Suns. We've talked about a handful of other teams last week. Uh, so we've gotten through 11 teams thus far. We'll get through the others here in some coming episodes. Is there anything that you guys want to bring up? Maybe something that you missed? I missed, uh, I was looking over my stats and Drew Holiday is a definitive superstar. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you didn't make that clear enough earlier, so thanks for clarifying. You might, you might as well just go ahead and eat your own shit right now, Ryan. Just get out of the way. <laughs> Drew Holiday is going to hit a half-court buzzer beater in the finals to win it all and, and doom me to eating my own Blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> all right so once again uh we'll get into six more teams in our very next episode that'll be dropping in a couple of days if you've got any call outs or any questions for us you can tweet us at granny mba or give us an email granny shot mba at gmail.com again this is granny shot podcast thanks for joining us today <laughs>